where we stopped off um, this morning. And uh, before we get, let's let's have a word of prayer. Father, we just ask for you, Lord, to uh, just open your word to us and show it to us in the simplicity, but in the amazing way you have created things and uh, how you've put things together. And so I just pray that we would uh, understand your Bible from uh, from the whole standpoint and uh, to understand the entire uh, story and to understand where we are at. So we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, just to review a little bit, we looked at something we're all familiar with, children and the different stages that they go through. And we, we understand that, you know, there's, there's stages and there's points that we say we've moved to another stage in their life. And there's distinct things that kind of happen, you know, when they finally get potty trained, uh, you know, when they become a teenager, those sort of things. But yet there's transitional things that happen as well. Um, so everything doesn't happen in a perfect time. And I, I think we're going to see in the Bible, you're going to see that same sort of thing through the times there. And so we're going to be looking at the growth stages or dispensations or divisions of biblical history. Just so you kind of see the whole thing and how it fits. Because if you don't understand this, it, things can be really confusing. Now, Beth, if you would share with the group what impacted you in this morning's session as we talked about the different stages. We got up to a certain stage that made you think, or am I putting you on the spot and you're still trying to digest food and <laughs> falling asleep? <laughs> Yeah, in the adulthood stage. And uh, so I want to keep that you to keep that in mind when we get to that point in biblical history, because um, that's the point where we're at, and that's kind of the preaching in a sense behind it. Is it ought to sober us where we're at in biblical history, what we're responsible for? We're in that, and I would say the adulthood stage. So you're going to see things, and I'm going to have Tim read uh, verses that coincide uh, with this, but, and Tim, you, can you see the verses, Tim, up there or not? They're pretty hard to read. Okay, if you would look at uh, Genesis 1.26, and we're looking at these stages here, you're going to see innocence and liberty as a stage, and we're going to read the portions of that. You're going to see the conscience and human determination stage. You see 
growth along there? Because you, you ask the questions, well, why didn't they know this or that? Or, you know, when Cain and Abel came with their sacrifices, you know, you start to ask a lot of questions. But they were in a certain age or dispensation, which there were certain things required of them um, that were very simplified, just like in a childhood's growth, and you'll see that. Unlike what we all know today. I mean, we, we've got the full word of God. Um, after that, there's human government, which you'll see that comes on. Um, and then the, the uh, dispensation of promise, then of law, then of grace. That's where we're at. And then the future is the kingdom that's uh, to come. And so, Tim, if you would read Genesis 1, 26. And then read, that's the start of this dispensation. And then ver, uh, chapter 3, verse 6. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took up the fruit thereof, and was also one of her husband with her. Okay, so we see this, this stage in their life, this dispensation begins with a protected, simple, perfect life, of full obedience to God. If you think about a newborn, you think about that sage, it's, they were naked and they were not ashamed. It ends in human failure and sin, which results in death to humankind. And then human failures followed, and you're going to see this, by God's mercy and God's grace of a promised Savior. Okay, he closed them he deals with them. There's the promise of a Savior, but they really don't know that much what you see in history. See, we don't want to apply what we have today to that back then. Okay? That's where we can get kind of uh, messed up. So the next stage. Read Genesis 3, 7. The eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked. So they leaves together and made themselves Okay? And then... So this is the new dispensation. Um, read verse 8, or chapter 8, verse 19. Every beast, every creeping thing, every child whatsoever creepeth upon the earth after their kind went forth out of the ark. Okay, so there was a new covenant with God here. It was between that that period um, to, where, to the ark. Um, there was... No detailed moral code at this point that we see in the Bible with God. It was according to conscience as to the knowledge that was given to them. What they knew, what God told them, that's what they were do. You see that when you look in it, it was like a very simple life. And if you think about your children as they're growing up, they get to that stage. It's a very simple, you just do what they're told to do. And that's how they responded. Or didn't respond. <laughs> um, if you think about it, um, during this time, uh, it ends with Cain and then to complete human failure <laughs> at that stage. 
um, and it's judged by a flood. God wiped it. He said their thoughts were continually evil. Now we talk about that stage with our kids. What stage was that? That, you know, <laughs> and they said, yeah, the terrible twos. You know, you kind of see this same sort of thing in progression. But God has his mercy and his grace through Noah. He finds a way. You know, I, this is kind of bad, but kind of funny, but kind of true. Tim, you know, gets into some of these cases. And Nick, you've probably been in some situations where, um, you know, a parent shakes a kid to death. Um but, you know, you think I'm surprised God hasn't shook us to death, you know, the way we've done. And, you know, he kind of said, you know, I, he kind of has a little mercy on people. You get in that situation and you get down and that child's continuing, it can really wear on You know, but God had his mercy. And so he destroyed the world, but there was grace found through Noah. So you're going to find it. So they seem to be just very somewhat defined stages. Now, conscience and human determination will last throughout eternity. There will be men. That's how, how it is now. Even people who aren't saved have a conscience. <laughs> All right, next stage, human government. <clears throat> this was an unconditional covenant uh, that God gave Noah and the, the, the next generation and until now that there'll be no more flood. He also said there'll be the end of seasons, and you now be able to eat flesh. You think about the parallel with children there. Be able to eat flesh. They were to spread out in the earth. Government was established. There was the right to kill murderers at this point. It ends in human failure. If you think about it, Noah was drunk. There was Ham's act. And then it ended in the Tower of Babel. So Genesis 8.20. Noah built an altar unto the Lord and took every king and every king fowl on the burnt offering. Okay, and then Genesis 11.9 where this dispensation ends. Therefore in the name of it called Babel and if you think of the parallel with our children, that's you know, we talked about that's when they learn to communicate. They buy words and, and so forth. So you see kind of a similarity in that. And then the next stage is the uh, dispensation of promise. Let's read Genesis eleven ten. Are you there? These are the generations of Shem. Shem was a hundred years old when he had a fact that two years after the flood. Okay, in Exodus 19.2. And they were departed from Rephidim and were come to the desert of Sinai and had pitched in the wilderness and there it built camp and built a house. Okay, so... At this stage, they were to trust in the promises of God revealed to Abraham. There was blessings that was going to be to the entire earth, and blessings of Israel is given here. Title to the land and blessings for who would bless Israel. 
it ends in human failure. If you think about it, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the 12 tribes, they were, I'll tell you what, they were a rough bunch of people. They failed. And it ended in bondage in Egypt. Okay? So that's like just one section or dispensation of the way God dealt with them at that point. So when you go back and you look, don't try to apply what we know today. No more than you try to apply your children, look back at children and say, why don't they act like this? They, it was a continual progression. It was God's mercy and grace that he gave them by the Passover and the Exodus. And if you read closely there, those people still, that was God's mercy on them. He had a plan for them. And, and the Exodus, I mean, they were still miserable people. They gave Moses down the road for a lot of things. Any, any little thing that happened, they blamed him. And it wasn't like they were, oh, here's God and, and, and we're following. But God took them to a place where they didn't deserve. That's called grace. And God delivers mankind again because he could have ended it all in any of these. He could have ended it all. And then we have the law. Exodus 19.3, Tim. Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, Tell the children of Israel. Okay, and then Acts chapter 2. Here's a big period. Well, I don't have the verses on it, but Acts 2 is at the time of Pentecost uh, when the church w began to go out in the church age, time of grace, and we'll get to that. But here we see the Mosaic law was given to the children of Israel, Mount Sinai. Uh, it was temporary and conditional. If you do this, I will do that. Think of the teenage years. They had complete and utter failure in the wilderness, in Canaan, the time of judges, <laughs> the time of the kings, when the kingdom got split, when they were taken into captivity. And worst of all, think about this, this dispensation. It ends at them crucifying Jesus Christ on the cross. But this was the greatest show of grace and mercy that God had. He brought, God uses the law to bring everyone to the foot of the cross. A failure for everybody. He was bringing them to a point where it's really the only point we can get to whereby we can really be saved is when we utterly know we can't be by ourselves, that we have a need. And God brought that need and brought Christ into that situation. It was kind of the, the, the pinnacle of this entire life reign that we're seeing. And it brings us into the dispensation of grace. This is where we're at, folks. The dispensation of grace starts in Acts 1 ends in Revelation chapter 3. And it continues, and it's culminating 
are gathered together in the church rapture. This is where we're at. One day, this church is going to be raptured. Now, grace, again, um, or this, this time of grace would fail to bring worldwide acceptance to Christ. It still didn't work. Apostasy would come in the very early church. Apostasy came in to what's called, folks, there's a professing church and there's a real church. It's not in a name or a religion. It's in truly following the Word of God and following Christ. The professing yet unsaved church, okay, there'll be a church when the rapture comes <laughs> that will be judged between the rapture and the coming kingdom. And the true church will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. We'll answer for everything there. And then finally, and kind of looking at these parallels, what's yet to come is the kingdom. Begins at the second coming of Christ, but it's preceded. There's like a transition period here, if you think about it. It's called the tribulation, those seven years. If you kind of think about parallel in our life, it kind of reminds me of the valley of the shadow of death. <laughs> and then after that is the judgment. That, that's what the tribulation kind of reminds me in a parallel part of our life. It's the final form of moral testing. It features a perfect government. The presence of Christ as ruler the universal knowledge of God and salvation. Everybody will know that it's a universal knowledge of what true salvation is. Satan is rendered inactive during this time. There'll be a Jewish uh, system reset back up, a sacrificial system. It, it, it's, it's a whole distinct, unique time. That will be, it ends with the destruction of earth and heaven by fire. God in his final judgment, he's going to give in every portion of history. He's given man every, every chance to come to. There's going to be nobody who can say that God hasn't given them a chance. And at the end, he's going to wipe it out. He will cast out all into hell. Sin will be destroyed. Like I said, we'll be in a sinless state, which I can't even imagine. I don't even know how that works. It's going to be really, it's mind-blowing to us. But it's going to be a time when it's done. And he's going to cast everything. But he's given this entire time and extreme patience of God throughout eternity to all people. And so if you want to think about the Bible, if you can think about it in these sections, it will, will help you. Just think about just your own children, how that is. We are in that position of responsibility. We got it all. We know it all. Just like Beth is saying, what hit her ought to hit us spiritually, that we have the Word of God. We, we have extreme power. We have prayer. We, 
we have knowledge. Um, you know, and a lot of times you'll look at that transition to the church. The book of Acts is often called a book of transition. So when you think about sometimes when people don't understand things, they'll, you know, they think that we're supposed to speak in tongues and tongues gets, you know, magnified. Well, that was a transitional thing. We didn't have the entire word of God yet. And I'm not saying that tongues isn't used to some extent, maybe. I think in, in some really unique ways, maybe being able to interpret languages and to get the word of God out, or maybe in some countries, maybe that God uses that, but hey, we have the word of God. <laughs> we have the full knowledge. It is written. It is complete. There's nothing more powerful than that. If you remember <clears throat> the rich man and Lazarus, and the rich man wanted Abraham to go back and tell his five brethren, he says, if one rose from the dead, or have Lazarus, I forget who it was, but he's going to have, his thoughts was, if somebody rose from the dead, think about that, how powerful that is. Surely they believe. He said, if they didn't hear Moses and the prophets, they'll not hear even if one rose from the dead. That's how powerful the Word of God is. And God has miracles. We don't need miracles. We've got the Word of God. We've got the Holy Spirit. What else do we need? Well, we need dedicated people who are serious about serving the Lord, who, like Beth said, we are in that time age where we have no excuses. We know it all. And so we're about to go into that next time where we're going to answer for all those things we've been to. Who much is given, much is required. So there's kind of the lineup of those stages. So I hope that's helped you a little bit, help you understand where we're at and how serious this is and the stage that we're at and how confused people can make things by getting things out of whack. I gave you the puzzles. By the way, I solved the puzzle. But I got online and Googled and got the picture, the finished picture. Because I was kind of curious. I wonder if this would be hard, even with the finished picture. And there was some things that I thought I had right. It took me about five minutes. It took me a little bit longer than I thought. But I did have a couple things that, that weren't just exactly right. But when you have the full picture, <laughs> it was a lot easier to put it together. What we have is a lot of people taking pieces and parts of the Bible, not seeing it as it is in a whole, and getting things mixed up. And, you know, as I think it was the UT kids that said they got it all all together but one piece. Well, that one piece messes everything up. It's got to be perfect. God has it perfect. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I pray I've done the best way I can to describe your Bible, your word as a whole. And you are miraculous in everything you've put together, how we do things. We think we Put together things. No, you've put it together. And it's precise. And it does what it's supposed to do. And Lord, may we recognize it. May we give you the honor and glory for it. And uh, may this be a help to our church, Lord God, to see the whole Bible as it is. In its sections. Just like a growing child. And we're just like a piece of it. 
through history doing our part. As small as it may be, it's important. It's as important as any other part. Help us to see that. We've got a time coming, an eternity, judgment coming. And so may we serve you mightily, Lord. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I do want to mention something else to you because a lot of times, you know, you think of, you see all these important people in the Bible, Abraham and Joseph and all these, and you know, you kind of compare yourself. You know, those are just, we're no different than they are. We all have a part. We need to do our part. It doesn't matter what it is. We're, if you could kind of think of this life, like we're, like it's, it's one human being going through life and we're cells. Well, each cell is important as any other cell is minuscule as its job might be. If you think about money, people will say, well, it's just a penny. How many times you look at a penny and think, it's just a penny, I ain't worth picking it up. But I'll tell you what. Millionaires know how important a penny is. Because if they make, why do you, why do you see your gas prices 99.99 cents? Because that even a tenth of a cent over that much means a humongous amount of money. They can't get rid of the penny. We're all pennies. I heard, and let me encourage you one thing about the children here. This blessed my heart. Oh, I know Daryl Dick. He used to work with the kids in the bus ministries and stuff. And uh, he said, Tim, he said, uh, and you get into a lot of rough kids sometimes. And he said, what I would always do, he said, when I seen a penny on the ground, he said, I pick it up. I always pick it up. He said, because those, those pennies reminded me of kids. Some of them were dirty and nasty and and just in the floor. He said, but they're important. He said, I always pick them up. Everybody's important. Every child, every person in this life. And God's got it all planned. And let's take the responsibility. Thank you all for listening. I think I'm just going to have one message tomorrow. And I'm going to have it with the children. I'm going to try to get them enjoined with the message. And uh, so I've just got one left in it. <laughs> so uh, let's pray. Um, Brother Andy, would you close us in prayer?